Hi, I'm George. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And, and we, we are Queer Magnolias, the podcast. Each episode, we're going to talk about what it was like growing up gay in the South. The trials and the tribulations. The joy and the struggle. And more importantly, how we became who we are today. Oh, honey, queer and fabulous. So come on in, y'all, and get comfortable, Shug. Kick off your shoes and sit a spell. And at the end of each episode, we're going to meet up out on the front porch for my favorite part of the podcast... Happy Hour! So join us for an all-you-can-eat buffet of cutting up, foolishness, and carino. Always served with a heaping helping of sass. And that's a Queer Magnolia's Guarantee! Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on our very first episode of Queer Magnolias. I'm Jake, and from here on out, I'll be your man behind the curtain. On this very first episode, the boys are going to be talking about coming out and coming undone. I've come undone. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Sex for the first time. Oi. I also want to let you know where you can find us. Look for us everywhere you find your podcast. And if this is your first time joining us, please subscribe so you never miss the cocktail of the week. All right, boys. Take it away. Thanks, Thanks Jake. Jake. Oh, oh, how exciting. Uh, we no, are. Here we are. Here we are. It's our first podcast. Yes, we've been talking about this for a while, and we are so happy it's coming to fruition. Many, many, many days. Many, many, days. many, many conversations. <laughs> so, but here we are. It's our first episode, Here guys. we are. This is happening. We're all three from North Carolina, different ages, different areas, and we didn't meet each other until we lived in Los Angeles. It's true. The city of angels. Honey. city of angels. That's right. I met George on a flight to North Carolina. We saw each other on the way to North Carolina and on the way back to L.A. We struck up a conversation and we have been besties ever since. Ever since, honey. I asked you to hold my purse while I, no. went, to the, <laughs> while I went to the little girl's room. And when you well, returned, I'm like, can you do me a favor and do the same exactly, thing? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you find your tribe. I'll never forget that Sunday afternoon. I was at a certain bar. Uh, and I heard this voice sort of rise up above all the other ones. And I was like, who is that? She I is from North who. Carolina. And that's how we met God, so many, many years ago. Oh, it's so. it's been a while. We've had such fun. And we are similar in a lot of ways because of where we came from. And we're very different in our and unique in our own special way. And, you know, the thing about growing up in rural North Carolina, though, is when you, you grow up there, you grow up without role models, basically. You have no visibility, at least for us. I think it's probably a little different now with the kids and the internet. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but we did not have back then sort of the visibility or even at that point the equality that we have today. So it's pretty rough coming Very out. True. And coming out. And beyond not even having it, I don't think we even had a concept of it. Well, like, exactly, yeah. There was nothing on the horizon, and you and you thought... I know for me, growing up, I thought, well, this is how it is, this is how it's always been, and this is how it will always be. It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're so deep into the tunnel. Absolutely. And, and then you have no life. idea sort of what you're feeling, and, and is it normal, or what is it, or how to explain it, or put a name on it? Uh, and I don't think until you get to middle school, and then that awful, awful word, faggot, rolls right. around. And, Somebody else yeah. puts a name on Amen, it. Amen, sister. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and that's when you either learn to cower or fight back, whatever your path is. Um, and it's it's very unique to find your own voice. Well, yeah. that's an interesting question. Though. When did you know? At what point? How old were you? Do you know when you actually knew you were different? You liked boys? You liked men? 
seven, second grade. From the first grade to the second grade, there was such a shift. All of a sudden, the identical twins were my target, the only two people I saw, and I was seven. And um, I didn't understand it. I was very late to the game. Um, everyone else seemed to understand it and did not mind telling me who they thought I was. Um, some nicely and mostly not so nicely. But I do remember that there was a shift. There was something different. And I was funny and crazy and zany. And so that difference could be magnified in a good way. But I do remember I was seven. I'm sure of it. I think I was around 11, oh, maybe. Honey. <laughs> George came out the womb. Girl, I and fell a... out of the womb with a sash and a tiara. That's how that went down. It's never a question. Fell. Come on, girl. You know, you stepped one foot out and then you brought the other foot I out. Stuck the landing, honey. <laughs> An extra 10 points. <laughs> when did you actually come out? When did I come out? Mm-hmm. The day he was born. He just told you that. <laughs> Officially, I guess I was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was in high school. I, I, I'm i guessing I was like 16. 16, seven, 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think what goes hand in hand, at least for me, there was that having sex for the first time. And then it was like, oh. This well, is what I am. Well, here's the path. And so now I need to shout it from the rooftops and tell everybody. And honey, when I say everybody, I mean I told my grandparents, of course, because that's I was raised by my grandparents. I told aunts. I told uncles. I told cousins. I went to my great-grandma in the rest home and told her. I was like, <laughs> Nana, I'm gay. And she said, of course you are, sweetheart. <laughs> So, she said, give grandma's purse back, please. That's right. <laughs> when you're done with it. That's right. That's right. So, it, you know, for me, it was, it, I will say it was very easy to come out. I mean, people certainly were not surprised. Um, yeah. What about you? Oh, I was 17. I, had, I was staying in Florida, actually, uh, for the summer. Dan, did you ever live in Florida? I feel like you did. Live I in did. I might have lived there from 88, 88 to 99. 99. <laughs> You'll you hear that hear many, many times, I'm sure. So. Just so y'all know, Dan lived in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was staying in uh, Florida for the summer with my cousin, and she um, managed a group of uh, cottages in Panama City. And so I got my own place, uh, as long as I did like maintenance around the place That's and all cool. that. And uh, I mean, our next door neighbor was gay. And it was not a big deal that he was, but I just happened to be sort of hanging out one night. We were all watching movies, and he had had a guy over that he'd met. And they were on a date, but yet, you know, he had all this house full of like me and a bunch of other people. And then everybody started leaving, and I was still watching the movie. And he's like, Well, you should either go home or go with us to the back bedroom. And I was like, Well, let's go to the back bedroom. Oh, they got all hugged up. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, the movie got click turned off. So that was when I first did it, uh, but it. I, uh, it, <laughs> the, the deed, but I think uh, I, I never knew how to put a name on it until then. Kind of like, you know, with you in that once you've done it, then suddenly the path opens up for you and you're like, oh, all right, now I know where I'm going. Let's see where this road takes us and right. go from there. And I think that's pretty much the same way with me. I always knew something was up, but until I actually did it the first time uh, with 
two guys, uh, it just it got it became really clear. For well, me. honey, that's because they call that concrete evidence. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to hold up in a court of law. <laughs> there was like no to, guesswork. I now. like to think of it as double jeopardy, but you call it what you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, Dan. Well, so for me, there was a lot of curiosity. Uh, two of my best friends in high school. The two of them and I, we used to go cruising on Saturday in Greenville, North Carolina. Were these the twins from seven years old? No, unfortunately not. Well, define cruising, though, because they're... Yeah, we'll get to that. So the naive one over here wearing the rose-colored glasses who everything sort of passed by me. I was with two people that I thought were equally as naive. Little did I know that they were actually hooking up with the people we were cruising. I was just flirting because I was that stupid, sadly. But uh, one of them dated a guy that he met on one of our Saturday cruising days, and he dated him for a couple of years. And the other one, he sort of in and out of the closet forever. And then I was, I didn't act on any of that. And then when I was in college, my roommate and I went out with my best friend and his boyfriend, and they were dating. And during dinner, my best friend indicated to me that he was really into my roommate and his boyfriend really indicated he was into me. So as my mother would say, we sort of chose up partners and went to bed. Oh, so and y'all so got hugged up too. We got <laughs> hugged up too. And I dated the boyfriend, not mine, actually somebody else's, I guess. Uh, I dated Carl's boyfriend for a while. And then... Did Carl know this? He did, because he was with my roommate and everybody else, bless him. And of course, I wanted to be him, but that took a little while to get to that point in life. But after a couple of months of dating, I went back in the closet for a year. It just wasn't time. But when I came out at 20, I put a little dynamite under the door. And so it was out. From there was no on. door left. When there was no door this. left. Roll the stone away. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it's one of those things though, for me coming out, the actual coming out to other people rolled in stages. And I wasn't until it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I actually came out to my parents. And... um I was very sure of myself when I had the conversation with them separately, and they were very loving and kind and supportive. They were not members of PFLAG, but they <laughs> loved me greatly and told me how much they loved me and how proud they were of me. I was very, very fortunate because that is not the coming out story so many people no, have to tell. No, absolutely not. And even mine, uh, my coming out story, I actually came out to my mom not long after uh, the, uh, not long after the threesome, shall we say. Um, but when I came out to her, her reaction to me was so strong and adverse. It wasn't like, oh, you're, you're a sinner, get out of my house. But she just, she grabbed her heart. Uh, and oh, Lord. <laughs> as, Esther, as, I'm as, coming. As, as every good Southern woman will do. Honey. Like, oh my God. And she grabs her heart and her reaction scared me. Mm. Um, and so I recanted and I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm writing a term paper on this. I just wanted to see your reaction, an honest reaction. And then I did this whole backtrack thing um, to which she happily bought into. Uh, and it wasn't until my father passed that uh, we went back and had a conversation about it at that point. And uh, I came out again and she's like, well, I've known since the day you told me in the dining room. I just I I have regretted my reaction to that ever since. But I was Bless waiting her. for you to come back to me. I didn't want to go to you. I wanted you to come back to me when you were comfortable. And ever since then, I mean, we've been super, super, super close. Yay. Yeah. So. So I, I have a thought about this whole thing with your mom. 
you know how she said she was waiting for you to come back to talk to her. There's a part of me that thinks, why? Why couldn't she come to you and say, you know, I didn't handle this right. Let's. She totally could have, but I feel like for her, she she because I recanted, I think that she didn't want to force me into a situation that I was not comfortable with. I can see that. I mean, I can also see though, playing the other side of that coin is she could put you in that place. You're like, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be that honest with you again because of your reaction. True. And, it is very true. Um, and I think she just made the best choice she could for herself at the time. And, uh, you know, but like I said, when we, okay, well, there's history that goes with this. I guess that we have to sort of talk about um, that I was saving for a future episode, but my father came out to her in the 70s. What? Wow. <laughs> what? Brakes. Stop, stop the truck. <laughs> well, I, and I had not, um, I did not know this until I, until our conversation back in 2001. Uh -huh. But uh, I, apparently he came out to her in the 70s and it just was not something that she was willing to accept at all from him. And she shut it down. And I feel like that when I did it, there was probably some kind of flashback Residual. PTSD, mm -hmm. something happening there. And she, and so she didn't know how to process it or deal with it. And then all that time passed between when I came out until our conversation in 2001, I assume she's had many, many thoughts about how she would react again. If the situation were, were to arise. There is something about the recanting though. I think that it sets a parent up not to ask again, Something similar to that happened to me. Um, my mom called me when I was in college and she wanted um, to come and meet me for lunch one Sunday. My mom was the kind that you came to the queen. The queen That's did right, not honey. get off the throne and come to you. So I already smelled a rat. I knew something was not cool because she wanted to come to me. Uh -huh. And she picked a later lunch time than usual. So we went to lunch and she said, you know, I, I've got something I need to discuss with you. And I'm like, okay. And she said, well, you know, somebody called me. Now, if you really want to make me angry, that's the way to get me angry. <laughs> Don't come at me with somebody called me. Use a name. Tell it. Because if we're going to fight, we're going to fight fairly. But she wanted the upper hand and she said, somebody called me and they saw you coming out of a gay bar on Friday night. And I said, you know what? They probably did. And she, you know, practically swallowed the fork. And I said, Mom, I have a lot of friends, gay and straight. Doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter their gender, whatever. I have a lot of friends and I go where I want to go because I'm grown now. I'm paying for my college education. This is who I am. And it shut her down. So from 21 or 22 till when I came out to her in my early 30s, the conversation was never broached again partially because I had shut her down and she did not feel she had already set me up. And when I shot her down, she did not feel like she could come back to me. So when I did come out to her, we got around to that conversation and she said, yes, I remember that very well. And she said, I apologize oh. because I came at you from the wrong direction. I didn't come at you from love. I came at you from anger because someone had called Aww. me and woke me up and tells me all this stuff to which I said, and sadly, I love you back, but you chose their conversation over your child in that point. And it's important for you to understand that I realize you love me and support me and I love you greatly. But in that moment, I did not feel like your child. I felt like your enemy. And that I think is what a lot of people who try to come out to friends and family experience. 
they come out to people. I, Rick has told me that he came out to a cousin of his that's never spoken to him again. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Most importantly, did you find out who called her? <laughs> I am 90% sure who did, but no, never. She no, refused she even tell then you. to mm. tell me. I, and I think the thing is, there again, it keeps the person, in this instance, me, in the dark. It keeps me fighting a battle that I shouldn't have to fight. You brought me into this world. Right. I am here because you and daddy had some fun times. And so you have to be that person that not only meets me halfway, but probably meets me 75% of the way. That's your job. Well, what's interesting to that is, you know, if they saw you coming out of the gay bar, then they were coming what out of the hello. adult bookstore across the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to which I did that say... That got left out. <laughs> well, I did say... In, it was it, edited for content. <laughs> for effect, honey. Oh, for I, effect. I, I did say, well... What in the hell were they doing in the parking lot of a gay bar at 2 a.m.? To which she had no answer. We know what they were doing. Uh, we, mm-hmm. Trying to pick up we somebody. We just don't probably. know who it was with. Right. <laughs> they were afraid you saw them first. They were going to They were gonna get there first. Yes. Yes. George. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about your experiences? Right. Well, I assume we're talking about first-time experiences. All the time. All the time experiences. So when I was in high school, I had a part-time job after school at the public library. And um, there was this older gentleman who would come in every evening and read like the New York newspapers. Mm -hmm. Um, He was educated. He was an educated man. And we struck up conversations and, you know, and got to the point where he would look for me. When he would come in in the evening to, to talk to me, or if, you know, have you read this book? Have you seen this movie? That kind of thing. And um, he eventually asked me out. All um, right. And so we started seeing each other. Um, and it turns out he was 15 years older than I was at the time. I mean, a I guiding that, hand. That doesn't as it change. Was. He would still be 15 years older than <laughs> me. <laughs> um, so eventually, you know, we had a couple dates and eventually you get to the point where it's like, well, you know, it's time for this if, if, to do the do, so to speak. Oh, so you, I'm sorry, you actually went on a date before you did it? I did. Oh my oh, God, I wonder I what did. that's like. I did. I'm so demure. <laughs> I, I did. There was dinner involved in everything. That always ah. cost me with no, with no gift at the end. Girl, you know it's going to be a nice night at Applebee's when he picks, us up, <laughs> picks you up in his mama's Cadillac. <laughs> oh, hey, he's an on down the street in that Cadillac. That's exactly. right. You showed him your secret garden, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Less of a secret, more of a public park. (laughs) (laughs) Did you let him pluck your flower? Well, and you know, being the age I was, which of course was still in high school, um, I obviously, we were not going to go to my house and he living at home with his mama at the ages he was, we weren't Mm going to go to his house. So we would go and park in the cemetery. Oh, romantic. Mm. Very romantical, (laughs) um, very dark, very secluded. So, yes, my first time was in the backseat of a Cadillac, honey. Ooh, easy. I love it. I love it. Was it a pink Cadillac? It was not. It was champagne, honey. Oh, that was a high-class Cadillac That's right. right there. They probably belonged to the country club, didn't they? They were country club people, I yes, bet ma'am. they were. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so nice of him to take an interest in the youth of the library. It was, and I'll tell you, that Cadillac smelled like Virginia Slims and white rain, honey. <laughs> 
<laughs> was it his mama's Ooh. white rain or yours? It was not mine. <laughs> it was not mine. I... Early in your career. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Soft <Virginia>. wave. <laughs> Virginia Slims. They were probably light menthol 100s. <laughs> For y'all who don't know what a Virginia Slim is, look it up. Google it. Yes. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Well, you know, North Carolina was the tobacco capital of the world at one time. That is true. That's very true. I don't think so. I think China is. Well, I know China grows most of the (laughs) cigarette tobacco of the world comes from China. So that was my very first experience, and I'm sure my second and third and fourth were quite similar. Oh, I swear. It was so funny. I was so incredibly naive. I really was. I just, I just, life, you know, I was on the short bus for romance. I just didn't ride the regular bus with everyone else. I think when I was 23 on my birthday, my dad asked if there was anything he needed to know about the birds and the bees. I'm like, no. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, precisely. The thing is, I had no guidance and direction. Uh, I also went to a private school for several years. And it was a private religious school. So the boys were never taught about the, uh, the birds and the bees. And, and my dad, bless him, he was shy. For those of you that don't know, birds and bees mean sex. Right. You know, about what should or shouldn't happen, you know. so What goes where? <laughs> I'm still well. trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, honey, if you were 23 when your father had this conversation with you, he clearly figured it out 23 years ago. <laughs> he did. I think he just wanted to find out if there was anything he wasn't aware of. And not about me. I think just in general. You got any tips for an right. old man? <laughs> what could your daddy do differently? Yeah, yes, sir. You're right. It is China. The statistics shows that worldwide tobacco production in 2018 is China. China. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. North so Carolina the U.S. government. The map. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. The U.S. government gives farmers in the South stipends not to plant tobacco. So I grew up working in tobacco fields and as a teenager. Shock. <laughs> 10, 11, 12 years I, Well, so. oh, I did two summers when I was 14 and 15. And the minute I turned 16, all I wanted was a job in town. Oh, child. exactly. <laughs> that was me. You couldn't get me out of there mm-hmm. fast enough. I wanted to work at the Big Star, but they were not hiring. Big so, Star. Right? <laughs> so I ended up at Winn-Dixie to meet people. Winn-Dixie. Uh, I was I, at Kmart. <laughs> oh, a blue light special. I can see it right now. Well, I was the original Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like North Carolina does produce the most in the United States. In the United yes, States, yes. Well, there we go. All right. Thank you, Jay. Mm-hmm. So everybody's so right. everybody wins. Yeah, everybody wins. Everybody ding, gets ding. a trophy. Chicken Yay. dinner. Chicken dinner. <laughs> so once again, we would like to thank you so very much for joining us on our very first episode yes, coming out. The inaugural episode. That's right. We've talked about this for a long time, as I said, and we are so excited to do this and we're glad you're here with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as you heard in our intro, we have a little uh, happy hour section that we're about to move to. We like to call that section the front porch because in the South, at the end of the day, you take a little cocktail, you go sit outside on the front porch and you have a little nip. Where else you going to sit? That's right. 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 Watch the cool of the evening come in. So why don't y'all come on outside to the front porch with us and let's get ready for our favorite part of the podcast. Happy Happy hour. hour. Coming up, catch some fireflies. See y'all in a minute. (laughs) 
Welcome on out to the front porch, y'all. Hey. Here we are. Favorite part of the evening. <laughs> what? All right. So this cocktail may look familiar to everybody. I know it's very traditional. I thought we would start with something the most literal Southern drink I could possibly imagine. What could it be? So it is a mint julep. Oh, yeah. Before I tell you the story on this mint julep, everybody have a little sip. Have a little cheers. 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 (laughs) That's nice. Oh, it has a different taste to it. I like it. So this is my go-to mint julep recipe, and the secret is it's from a Yankee. Oh, Lord. <gasps> a Yankee. It's Martha Stewart. <gasps> well, recipe. we accept her. We'll take Martha. That's right. <laughs> and the thing that's very different about this, which I'm sure you noticed, is it has a lot of lemons in it. Yes, So it's very like it, It's basically lemonade with your crushed ice, your crushed mint, and your bourbon. That's why it's so refreshing for the yes. Port. So good. Yes. She did all right for a Yankee girl. She, I mean, <laughs> I think that she gets an honorary badge of Southernism. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And if we could just get her to make them for us, it'd be even better. Martha, come on down. <laughs> sit, sit a spell with sit us. Sit and spell. So Jake here is going to pick a topic for us to talk about on the front porch every week. Something random that nobody here knows anything about. So, I love it. What you got in the box? Go to your little honey pot there and tell us what you got, man. Come on, Jay. Pick a winner. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Here we go. Oh, why did you come to L.A.? Oh, I like that. (laughs) I'm on the run. (laughs) That was that promise. Porn career. (laughs) (laughs) Lasted all the seven seconds after I walked through the door. I was like, oh! No, I ain't doing that. Van Nuys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Chats word. Right. All right. Mm. I did not come for porn. I well, did not come from porn. You just stayed for it. I did. Well, <laughs> that's a different episode altogether. Right. <laughs> I came to work in the movies. I think that's why, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I think a lot of people come to uh, Hollywood yes. or to LA to work in the movies. That is and the that's reason what I came to, to do. Yes. And yeah. I've been fortunate enough to do that. In my career. Oh, that's wait, cool. What year did you move here? Y'all start counting. <laughs> Go ahead. They had begun production on Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and she thought, I want a part dress, of that. Dress rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I arrived in LA in 1996, I think it was. Okay. So yeah. And I've been okay. here ever since. That's interesting. I guess I've been here longer than you. I moved here in 95. Oh, look at you. Yes. I came. I had a friend, I was living in New Orleans, and I had a friend that I was roommates with for a while. He wanted to move here to get into the movie industry. He wanted to be a screenwriter, and clearly being from North Carolina, and then living in New Orleans, we thought, well, that sounds easy. You just go there and you write a script, and suddenly you're a screenwriter. There you are, that's right. right. That's right. Um, so my living situation at the time had expired, and from a semi-hovel to a new hovel. Um, <laughs> so you packed up the truck and you moved to Beverly, Beverly. <laughs> you were not wrong about this so he was like if you help me drive across the country with U-Haul you know I'll buy you a plane ticket to come back to New Orleans I was like well sure I mean I've got nothing going on so why Precisely. not um, so we get here and you know get the truck across the country and he says so I have a confession to make I actually don't have any money to buy you a plane ticket so, oh, oh well alrighty then so then I was stuck here in um in Los Angeles. Did he have to work off the plane ticket? 
No, honey. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. Um, so, but then, you know, you, so I had to get a job, obviously, because, like, well, I've got to get a job now. I've got to get money to, like, live and to buy a plane ticket. And you get a job and you make start making friends and then suddenly you're dating somebody and then all of a sudden your life is here. And right. I just never left. Oh, that's cool. I moved here uh, to, because I had a job in San Diego that had gone really, really wrong. The company I worked for was uh, crooked, to say the least. And so I took an opportunity to move to Los Angeles and I too would not have mind working in the industry. I was actually much more focused on television. I did write uh, one or two screenplays and like good people who moved to Los Angeles, I have lots of head shots, lots and lots of them. So uh, I do like to be photographed anyway. So that's always a fun thing. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> You've ever yeah. seen a Facebook page? On it. It's wall to wall selfie. I'm just gonna let that lie there, right, right there on the table. I'm not gonna touch it. Right. Well, after the wanted poster in the post office, I realized that I could take a much better picture if I orchestrated. Not even it. my good side. Right. <laughs> so, and I got here in 2000, so I was sort of late to the party oh. once again. See how this keeps working out for me. So, um, but what I found is once you arrive here, it's hard to leave. Uh, I mean, there's so many things you could hate about LA, but there's so many things to love too. For me, I love the weather. The weather, it, we have one season and it's rain in January or February, and the rest of it's just sort of warm year round, unless you know you get your 115 degree heat wave heat waves but uh that Which said we do I mean, get in the summer but it's it's rare and they're usually short-lived so um it typically is fairly decent weather year-round no, on the warmer side um, but not bad yeah you really cannot argue with the winters here except for the fact that like everyone always says it doesn't feel like christmas it never feels like winter. That is the one time I would uh, I would love for it to be cold. I agree with that 1,000%. I want snow on Christmas. Then on Christmas Day, I want it back to 85 degrees. <laughs> but you look out the window, it's palm trees. So. <laughs> That's when you just put that angel hair shit out on the front lawn. <laughs> fake snow. Fake snow. Oh, fake snow. <laughs> I will say there was one time I was up in Pacoima and I passed by this shopping center. And it was July and it had to be 100 degrees that day. And as I passed by, the entire parking lot had snow everywhere because they were filming a Christmas episode that day. So I stopped and took pictures. You know, it, it's just like, it's so crazy because you pass things in Los Angeles like, oh, I guess they're shooting something uh -huh. because all of a sudden Los Angeles turns into some other place, like a snowy parking lot That's in right. Pacoima. That's right. They're out there <laughs> pulling the leaves off the trees so it looks like it's winter time. Right. <laughs> And to see so many places here, if you drive around L.A., that you're like, oh, there's a Golden Girls house. So I guess that's not in Miami. It's actually here. Or you see the Brady Bunch house. Or, or the Charmed house. Or the or, Charmed house. That's right. Uh, even uh, Diana Prince's house when she was in season three of Wonder Woman. I've Who in the hell that. is Diana Prince? Wonder Woman. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Uh -huh. Get out of here. Get out of this room. What's wrong with you? You're about to get slaughtered, honey. You need to run. Right. <laughs> well, y'all. As my great aunt Lucy is so very famously known for saying, my ice cubes are dry. Well, girl, we can't Mine have that. No. So we should mosey back in off this porch into the house and make another drink. Let's mosey back I'm in. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. Thank you guys so much for joining us all on the front porch, and we look forward to seeing you out here again soon. And Absolutely. thank you for joining us on our first episode. On our first one. Come back for number two. See you later. See you soon. Bye, y'all. Bye. If you're thinking about coming out, 
or if you recently came out to your family or friends and need additional help or information, check out websites like hrc.org, itgetsbetter.org, or thetrevorproject.org. There are people out there in this world that you can talk to and reach out to so you don't ever have to feel alone in this world. Queer Magnolias is a weekly podcast hosted by Rick Clifton, Danny White, and George Skinner, and produced by yours truly, Jagan McGinnis. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts, so please take a few minutes to leave rating or review. We definitely look forward to hearing from you. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to receive the next episode automatically. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Queer Magnolias and on Instagram at Queer Magnolias Podcast, or email us at Queer Magnolias Podcast at gmail.com.